0: Welcome back to the Banners Broadcast. I'm Chris Grenham, and with me as always, Nick Jelson. Nick, what's, what's on, up, bro? man? How's it going?
2: I'm just packing up my Away Travel suitcases, man.
0: There it is. Getting ready
2: for the Christmas trip. You got to check out these. Uh, the uh, You got to check out Away Travel. AwayTravel.com slash CLNS for a huge discount. Go to AwayTravel.com. Now, I tell you, all the CLNS reporters are using Away Travel now because, like, dude, I need like Usually three suitcases. I could put everything in my carry on with this. to dot com slash clns. Okay, let's talk. Oops.
0: And real one of my one of my roommates got his girlfriend away, uh, an away travel suitcase. It's pretty awesome. Those things are it, legit. Awesome. But I
2: mean, you can plug your phone into it.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's unbelievable. Um,
2: which, but, if you travel, which you do, Granum, I mean, you travel a lot to cover the team. Yeah, you know it. It without doubt, you get into the airport.
0: And your phone battery is dead. So to it's have automatic, charger, you could charge it for twenty four hours beforehand. For some you're, reason, the airport you're doesn't. guaranteed to lose battery in an airport, <laughs> hundred percent. So speaking of airports, I was down in D.C. Uh, earlier this week for Celtics Wizards. Obviously, yeah, game, great game. We saw an unbelievable head to head matchup between John Wall and Kyrie. Towards the end, there it really became one on one for a little while. It's fun. What what are fun. your what are your thoughts here? I mean, cuz I I do kind of want to look at both sides. Of course, it was a great overtime win and Kyrie hit two dagger threes, which was amazing. But I do want to look at the other side cuz the Celtics really had a lot of trouble stopping John Wall down the road there. Like the, he was putting his head down, going north and south and they could not stop him. Sure a lot of that has to do with a lack of depth at the 5. They don't really have a rim protector, but still it was pretty impressive. Do you think that concerns you at all or uh, not? Yeah, really? because
2: I think the backcourt, uh, defending the backcourt has been an issue all season. Yeah. Right? Guards have gone off on C. the Celtics C C.C. Trey Burke.
0: Season. Come
2: on. Yeah. Geez. The Knicks. <laughs> come on. I mean, I, it seems like every every game a backcourt player was just going off. And, and so it's concerning, especially when you have – Marcus Smart out there, who I don't believe he guarded all five positions. I think against
0: the Wizards, he did. He was guarding the five down the road. Yeah, there. Brad Stevens said after the game he's officially done it all. I mean, that guy's he's amazing. done it
2: all, which what people forget. I think I don't remember which series it was last year, but he played, or maybe in the uh, the Isaiah Thomas series, he played five in defense in some some of those series as well. So Come we know Marcus Smith. Like can what do other it.
0: guy what other guard in the league can do that? That's so awesome. Nobody since Dennis Johnson, probably. I he's, keep saying he's that. the best. But I think it's interesting. So Aaron Baines started on Wednesday because Al Horford missed another game. When they have their depth at the five, I think a lot of that stuff you were seeing with John Wall, just putting his head down and getting to the rim so easily is probably gone because you can have a guy like Marcus Smart focus on the perimeter rather than, yeah. than playing the five. And and I think that probably prevents it. So you like what you're seeing out of this starting lineup? We've got seven in a row here. It seems to be the magic potion that's really turned this ship around, huh?
2: I'm still on on the fence in regards to, you know, a really high quality team. You're still looking at the Pelicans as their best competition until they play the Bucks close to Christmas. So uh,
0: bite your tongue, they played the Bulls, Nick. Oh damn
2: it! Boy, but that's an L. That's a lot. Was, was that uh, Was that
0: difficult to watch? Like oh, I, I don't know I if you It was. There was a couple plays. I know uh, Mark D'Amico put the put the clip on Twitter. But the there was a few inbounds plays where the Bulls were arms at their sides, oh, standing around looking. You ever been to like a youth basketball game once you was grown like up? Yes, yeah, so, and yeah, you just watch just... kids who clearly don't want to be there it's like watching youth soccer and there's a kid picking flowers at midfield yeah they should have they should have uh, lowered
2: the rims oh man pathetic it It really wasn't and it makes the whole NBA look bad because that clip D'Amico's in particular it went around so fast yeah and the whole and it just compounds the notion that no one plays defense in professional basketball
0: yeah which is so far from the case it's a
2: shame for a franchise that you know it's so, i mean obviously mo- all their championships came in the 90s but if you go back in time that's a that's a storied franchise with some great hall of fame players and right oh, now totally. this may be rock bottom for the bulls yeah, even I mean, there's a full there's a full-blown mutiny
0: going on you Mut- you think you think about fan bases like how they react imagine that kind of thing going on
2: oh, with the Celtics the oh,
0: my oh my god oh my god no.
2: no people would be throwing things on the court the booing would be out of control it it would be it would be I mean, we probably came closest to that when it was a Fleet Center and some of those horrific teams. I mean, nothing was worse than than MVP chance for Kobe yeah, at TD Garden. Tough. I mean, and come on. Saw,
0: so and we saw that at at Verizon uh, at, not Verizon Center, Capital One Arena on Wednesday. Yeah. So think about this, your. Put yourself in John Wall's shoes. You've had a really tough go here with this team (laughs) this year. Like They've been in a pretty dark place, yelling at each other at practices, calling out front office members after practice, all that kind of stuff. And then you come out and you're playing the Celtics, one of the best teams in the conference, and you have your best all-around game of the season, like bar none. You're carrying your team into overtime and you're keeping them in it. And then by the end of the game, you're watching Kyrie Irving at the foul line with – your stadium chanting MVP at him. Like how yeah. depressing is that?
2: That's just, it's, it, it is, it's depressing. And uh, I mean, again, I, I wasn't there when it happened with Kobe, but it it still resonates with Celtics fans. It was, yeah. that was, that is considered that Red Auerbach's death. That whole period there is considered, you know, the lowest point. And, and yeah. the, the, you know, the 19 game wins, uh, uh, losing streak, Pierce giving, I was just a bad, period, bad era.
0: Yeah, uh, it was a dark you know, time. So, thankfully, yeah, though, thankfully, thankfully though, we're I,
2: past that. Yeah, we're past that, thank we're God. I mean, that. it didn't look that way a couple weeks ago.
0: Oh, man, that 10-10, and 10, I, I don't want to say they were at a breaking point, but Kyrie has said it a lot of times. They were at, they were not in a good spot, and they thankfully they've been able to turn it around. They started having fun again, which he has said, I think, in every single press scrum he's been in for the last two and a half weeks, he has said to make sure that we're having fun. Again, and yeah, again. I mean, and I and do that, think that, it's important. I think it just prevents a lot of it's, pressing.
2: It's so important. I mean, that like you know, I'm a body language guy. You yeah. know, you knew during that ten and ten streak that it wasn't fun on the court. It wasn't fun off the court. It certainly yeah. wasn't fun in the locker room. And then Jackie Mack, as usual, shed a ton of light on the Jalen Brown situation and and how much Marcus Smart has stepped up. So. Yeah, man. I mean, it was it was it was ugly, and even for me, I mean, I had I had them at five hundred in December to begin with. every thought it was crazy, second year in a row. But even for me, I was getting to, at a point where I was saying, okay, maybe this is not, maybe there it's is going to have to be a trade. And I'm going to be honest, Chris, I'm still not out of that yet. It's not I necessarily. Know. you
0: even... you seem you seem less convinced than a lot of others that have been around well, the team. Not necessarily yeah. worried, but you're not convinced at all. Of these uh, yeah, I mean,
2: are gone. I I like the body language. I think that the intensity, the, the the look is in their eyes. So all all that is leading to the in the right direction. Nothing's better for a stro- uh, you know a uh, struggling team with some poor morale than a couple right. wins. But I'm not going to really feel great about the team until they convincingly beat a a contending team. And then also once they you know they need to reintegrate quite a few players. And don't forget. Yeah. You know, the, at the start of the season, that was my big thing. It was like, listen, you can't reintegrate Kyrie and Gordon and, and expect it to be all rosy. And we may fall into that situation again as they're reintegrating Al. And, and tonight, I think, or as we're recording this on Friday, I think Gordon will end up playing. Uh, I don't think he was on the injured list.
0: No, he the was injured list
2: has play. looked like it was a novel for a little while. It was a novel, you know, yeah. so there's there. I think the, cons- the panic is gone. Uh, the concern for the, what's going on is still there. And I still think there's just too much talent and i know it sounds crazy, but I still think there's, there might be just a little too much talent on the team. Like I, I legitimately think Stevens can rest one all-star every game and it wouldn't help. It wouldn't hurt the Celtics. I mean, and then I also, yeah, well, I just
0: real, real quick. I, I mean, Jeff, yeah. Jeff Goodman said it. Last week when he came on the show, he, he talked to, he talked to Danny Ainge and Danny said they're almost better off with one guy out of the lineup every night. Yeah,
2: I mean and I'm 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 with that. And the the flip side or my last concern is if you look at Steven's tenure and how he's what he's gotten out of players mm-hmm. in the past five years, they have played I mean, exceeded all expectations, but that's the key. They have been put in an underdog situations. He's always had to manage scrappy. He's always had to manage teams that had to be super scrappy, play from behind to win, chip on their shoulder. And I really think that this was an adjustment this year because going in, they were the favorites. And if you didn't hear it on radio and television or podcasts, you certainly heard it coming out of the locker room because they were bragging enough. And now it's at a point where you know we're going to be reintegrating these players, and it's going to say, okay, can Stevens get the kind of energy and 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 scrappiness out of this team when they're at full speed? You know, yeah. so that's that's yeah. the next
0: question. Real real quick, before we get to Coach Nick of yeah. B Ball Breakdown, I just want to hit one more quick thing. Um, Al Horford, of course, he's got this lingering patellar tendonitis. I won't even try to oh, say the long diagnosis that <laughs> Stevens said on Wednesday, <laughs> but. What would it's like trying your to say move?
2: Name. <laughs> seriously, um, but
0: what would your move be? I'm kind of in favor of not—I don't want to say shutting him down, but at least keeping him out until 2019. I don't see the point in rushing him back right now. That's an injury that really lingers, and I think you're going to need—if you want to make a deep playoff run—you need Al Horford healthy, and you don't oh, need yeah, to he, rush him yeah. back in December yeah. or January for you know, the, the long stretch or clearly they're fine without him right now, but they are going to need him down the road. So do you think it's a, would you side on the portion of maybe shutting him down for a little bit here?
2: I mean, looking at the January schedule, um, now would be, that would be the time to do it. Even if you play, him, I would, if I were, okay, short answer for this, this is rare for me. Uh, if I were Stevens, <laughs> I would place Horford, um, strategically. So, you know, they're playing Toronto, I think, in January. Yeah, he's on the court that game and the game before and the game after. But maybe you rest him up until that point. You know, I mean, because even – okay, so right now it's really easy after winning seven games to say, rest Al Horford until the All-Star break, which you yeah. may be right, but it's easy to say that. But if the Celtics start falling again in the, in the standings and, – and I believe the standings actually do matter this year in the Eastern Conference. Yep. If they start falling in the standings – at that point, you know he may be forced to bring Al back. And then the other side of it is championship teams, and if they hold Al out till the All-Star break, it doesn't really uh, make a difference on what I'm about to say. But championship teams need to have good run going into the playoffs. So you need him healthy and back really March, April, and then of course the playoffs. So if it takes resting him till the All-Star break and they're winning, yeah, why not? I think Dad Stevens just rides it out.
0: Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I guess we'll have to, I don't think, I don't think, I think the all-star break's probably a little far. I was thinking more like second week of January, I would say. I think all-star break might be a little far, but again, it all depends on how they, how they treat this and how it goes. Of course, they, again and again, everyone talks about the luxury that the Celtics have with their depth. So, that depth allows them to take their time with an injury like this. It also allows them to take their time with a center like Robert Williams in, in developing him. They don't need to push him into the rotation. So I think it all goes back to that luxury and, and the options that they have, which a lot of teams don't. So, Can I twist um, off
2: half, half of Celtics Twitter right now and just say that the Time Lord thing has gotten to me more than BWA?
0: You you don't like the time lord thing. I don't you're, like when you're they, stepping in, you're stepping in front of a freight train, man. Be careful. I know I
2: am. And you <laughs> can tweet me at clns underscore nick and totally rip me apart. I love it. Um, <laughs> but like it's gotten to a point where where when Scal's calling him the time lord and not even knowing what it means.
0: Rachel Nichols is calling him the. Time
2: Rachel thing. Nichols is calling him the time lord. You know, and truthfully, like this is like Celtics quitter, Celtics Reddit. And they're having a debate over what it means. And so I'm going on my feed to look at, you know, what's going on. And I'm seeing clocks and time. It's just like, come on, dude. Like, all right. There there is, to
0: make it clear, there's no debate over what this means. It was, he was late. Early on. He was he was late for a couple things. But That's a not what the Reddit flights. guys are saying. Well Chris. no, listen, listen. He was late for a couple things and all this a stuff. Lot of so everyone things. around the media made this big deal that it was a really big issue and this Time Lord nickname came out from making fun of the people who were making who were making it a big deal.
2: I think so that's it, part of what annoys me too, Chris, because it was a big issue. When you draft a player and he doesn't show up for his press conference, misses the flight to to train or summer league and then gets pulled off the court in his first summer league appearance, I think that equates to he should be getting a big deal put on him by the media. He oh, you're feeding into pressure.
0: this nickname. You're feeding into it. This is it. This is what they want. This is, <laughs> this is what they and want. And you know
2: what? Like I said, tweet me. You could kill me. I don't, I don't really <laughs> care. I'm not going to fall back from it. I mean, it's just – it's annoying. Anything – it's like saying this. All right, I, I liked – I don't know. I'll pull out a, some song. I, I don't know. I. I, I liked – uh, we will rock you the first 10 times I heard it. But when I have to hear it 10 times a day, I want to bang my head off a wall, right? So every time I go on Twitter, I have to see pictures of, uh, Photoshop pictures of, of Williams holding a clock. It's like, come on, dude.
0: It's gonna, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, be the bearer of bad news here, here Nick. But
2: words here, Chris. I,
0: I don't think it's going away. Anytime soon, Danny Ainge wants lob Williams, which is actually not bad on his portion. I like but that. It's it's not going away. Let me give you one just final description from Celtics Reddit about this nickname just to make sure you got it just to make sure our listeners have it. A lot of people are misunderstanding the nickname. It's related to him being late. This is from Celtics Reddit. But it's important to note that it's not making fun of him for being late. It's making fun of the people who thought it was a really, really, really big deal. That he Basically, was late.
2: Chris, what that is, let's wrap that whole Reddit post up, put it in an envelope, write Santa Claus on it, and send it to to Robert Williams because it, <laughs> it's that poster saying, "Please, for God's sake, pick Time Lord as your as your nickname, so I can say I created it."
0: Well, the craziest thing, in my opinion, about this whole Time Lord situation, first off, on the record, I love this nickname. I'm all in with Celtics Twitter. I'm a big fan. Uh... However, however, much to your demise, I'm a big fan. But <laughs> the craziest part is he came in to the NBA with the nickname Booba. So like he I had rather a great, Booba, I don't know what He had a great a nickname. Like he had one. And that's the that's the funniest part to me is that they pushed that aside, came up with Time Lord and it is stuck. So well let, well, let me tell you
2: before you go to the now here's
0: <laughs> the thing. Now
2: I I uh on I would say seven times out of ten, I thoroughly enjoy Celtics Twitter. I thoroughly enjoy the Reddit nonsense. But it's those other three times where it's like, dude, get out of your mother's basement, go get laid, go watch a movie, do something, go out with your friends, do something non basketball related. Oh, Nick, you're asking for it.
0: You're asking for it. Hey, Be listen, wear... tweet
2: it at them, and a lot of these guys are my friends. I love them.
0: But, I mean, this is just ridiculous already. Like,. <laughs> come on. All right, let's get to Coach There's Nick. There's so much from, more to
2: talk about, Chris.
0: From people. but is there though? Because people really love talking about Robert Williams. Unfortunately, we didn't talk,
2: talk about the Robert Woods. We didn't.
0: We didn't talk about Robert Williams with Coach Nick, but Coach Thank Nick was God. great. So let's get to him and Nick. I will see you at the Garden. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at One in One Hundred. Go to One in 100co for your chance to win killer Patriots, Celtics, Bruins, or even concert tickets throughout New England for the price of beer or a large pizza. Go to 1in100.co for your chance to win today. All right, and now we welcome in Coach Nick of B-Ball Breakdown and the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast. Nick, thanks for coming on with us this morning.
1: My pleasure. I'm in. Are you in?
0: (laughs) You're in. So a couple weeks ago on your YouTube channel, we'll start off with this. You had... A video, pretty interesting video, talking about the Celtics' problems. Obviously, three weeks ago, Don't they lie. were there was a lot of them. There was a lot of them. They were sitting at 10-10, and 10 and there was a lot of issues. Let's just revisit that. Of course, they've improved to this point after the last seven games. But what were you looking at three weeks ago that they could have changed? And what have you seen over the seven-game span that they have adjusted and kind of the reason for this change?
1: You know, there's a lot of things, but as a a team goes, sometimes you just need a better hierarchy in the offense. You need the guy who's the alpha guy. And so what it just feels like to me, and I'm not even sure I could show advanced analytics that would prove it, but just my visceral feeling when I watch the Celtics is that they're at their best, When Kyrie Irving isn't trying to be a playmaker and a traditional point guard, when he's being a lead guard trying to score and be aggressive, it opens up everything for everybody else. And when he's not doing that, it kind of just feels like no one is sort of sure how they want to go about doing things or too nice and it doesn't work as well. So we saw that in the Wizards game where he was doing his, you know, Steph slash KD impersonation and, you know. (laughs) That, that's what you, you kind of need. I, and I think that that's what we're going to need. Now, the question is, can he sustain that? Because, you know, it's 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 a different mindset to be like, I'm going to go out there and score 27 every night. And if he can do that and he can, uh, you know, sort of get away from maybe thinking, like you know, I, I got to be nice to Gordon Hayward. I got to be nice to Tatum. If he can get a little bit more like that, then I think that they'll be better in the long run. Um, and we shall see. Coach, do, so,
2: do, you, yeah, do you, let me, I'm yeah, going to hit I'll, this I'll back it. to you. One of Chris's big, I don't know, criticisms or, or I guess observations has been that, that Kyrie, the Celtics have played much better with Kyrie off the ball. Are you saying from being more offensive-minded, would you think he would do better off the ball to have and Marcus Smart is helping him do that?
1: Well, you know, the basis of the offense that the Celtics run is sort of like it's not going to be a traditional he's going to bring bring the ball up, hold up a fist and wait for a big man to come screen on top right, of you a know, right. guy's face. So, you know, there's always going to be some sort of handoff action into a ball screen, a lot of movement, and then they want to make sure they drive and kick. So you're never really going to see that traditional, that, you know, uh, on-ball guard kind of thing really anyway in theory – So, yeah, I think that, um, you know, for me, it's just him being aggressive, getting the basket, doing his incredible finishes, which, by the way, if they don't go in, tend to open up, you know, offensive Mm -hmm. rebounds for the the team. So, um, you know, that's really where I feel like the other good, yeah, coming off of those kind of actions, which I guess would mean off ball for sure.
0: So in terms of getting to the rim, since Jalen Brown returned, of course, he didn't play the other night because he was sick. But. He's been getting to the rim much better since he's returned from his lower back injury. Earlier in the season, he was settling for a lot of long twos, like Jason Tatum was, and no. settling for a lot of jump shots. When he's been a guy who, in college and early in his career, thrived at getting to the rim. Do you think that's going to be kind of centric to his game going forward here? Do you think it's temporary? If is that gonna is that gonna be you know a centerpiece of his game?
1: Absolutely. And he, he is the quintessential slasher. Right. right. Like, you know, the, you know, in this day and age, there are people that, you know, they, they, they kind of do both like Scottie Pippen didn't, you know, shoot threes until much later in his career. It, wasn't, it just wasn't going to be a thing for him. He and then Brown is sort of in that same mold, but he can shoot the three and he has the ability to kind of knock it down. But there's no yeah. question he should set up the three with the threat of the drive first. And so, he's so athletic that he that's that's going to be his game.
2: So yeah. much of his offense is predicated on success because he has a tendency, still being young, to hang his head. When so, I think it is so important for him to get in the get in the paint, draw fouls, connect on some 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 good drive slashing that kind of thing instead of you know starting at the three point line, struggling and then hanging his head. Coach, you had it in your video. You said, you know, Jalen. I don't know how how. Uh, I don't remember how adamant you were about it, but you said it. Jalen probably would do better off the bench. Talk to to us about that because it has seemed to work
1: out marvelously since (laughs) Jalen has gone to the bench, so. You know, it it wasn't even like I was looking at lineups and looking at net ratings and like, oh, look at that. He's much better there. I think it was probably related a little bit more towards the Kyrie thing where it was like, you know, you need to get someone like Marcus Smart in there who uh, could run the point a little bit more than, you know, certainly Jalen Brown would and get, you know, Kyrie off ball. But it would just sort of like be another guy. A who isn 't necessarily looking to score as much, although they put Morris in the starting lineup, which is funny because he's probably looking to score even more than Brown, but <laughs> I also felt like Brown against the uh, the bench players would also be better just by overwhelming uh, athletic ability and um it, it was just a, i don't even know it 's like one of those senses i 'm like gosh, there's just something about the way that starting lineup looks that it just feels like he 's the guy. Who needs to go to the bench? And probably he's the guy that might accept that more. I like Jason Tatum would never accept going to the bench. I don't think. Yeah. Um, you know, and and it is, that's an interesting dilemma there. So I kind of just feel like that's that was sort of how it all fit in together. And you know, sometimes you get lucky. Some, you know, I I, I doubt they're watching. You never know if Zarin is watching my stuff, but uh. <laughs> yeah, I think he
2: is. Zarin, you know, he he's, he's geeky enough to watch all your vids.
1: I sure, think he's, he, he's a friend of the breakdown. So yeah, he's we'll, a friend of the know. breakdown. You never know.
0: So sticking with that second unit, of course, Gordon Hayward has also joined Jalen Brown back there, and they've created a pretty pretty good trio at the top with Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, and Hayward. Kind of going back to the off-ball, on-ball sort of thing. Of course, it's not as set as as you said. It's not like a college offense where there's one guy bringing the ball up and there's a high ball screen. But if Gordon Hayward can be that primary ball hand or Terry Rozier can work off the ball, and then Jalen can float along the perimeter in the early shot clock. I think that's where they're most effective. What do you think of Terry Rozier on ball, off ball? Do you think he's more effective off the ball?
1: Um, you know, it's been an interesting, you know, thing with him just because he I liked him so much better last year in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. And we all did. um, you know <laughs> with him, it's interesting. He he kind of on ball probably uh, is, is better, right? Like, I feel like he, at his best, when we've seen him at his best, you know, he is breaking the team down, breaking the defender down off of the pick and roll, finding a yeah. man or finishing. So, you know, that would probably be best for him. And then I have to check his shooting, but as far as I can tell, like, I don't think he's shooting well from like three-point range this year. Am I crazy? Wow. So, you know, that's never, really, I mean, certainly, you know, having him spot up and be that guy is not the thing you want to see him do. So you want him to come in, yeah, he's, oh, we actually, he's shooting 37% about average. Um, so, so it's not bad, but like, yeah, he th- seems to me this best when he's really just you know, with the ball in his hands.
2: All right, coach. Now we've determined the starting lineup is working right now and Brown Hayward coming off the bench seems to be working. Of course, the Celtics haven't played vicious opponents yet, but right. we know by the end, of the, by the playoffs, the Celtics are not going to bring Gordon Hayward off the bench. I'd be shocked. So how does as from put on your coaching hat here, uh, which you kind of live that. So, um, (laughs) it's already on, uh, yeah. beat Brad Stevens. How do you reintegrate a guy like Gordon and not kill the chemistry again? And when do you do it?
1: well, the the thing with like Jalen Brown saying, like if he went to the bench, like I don't I just sense that maybe he wouldn't throw a big hissy fit. Well, if there's someone who really wouldn't throw a big it's problem important. would be Hayward, he would right. probably even still accept it if it's working and they're winning. So that's gonna that that's gonna be the biggest question is, will Stevens ever want to disrupt it if it continues to work this way? But um, I have a feeling that when they start playing some of the better teams, you know, the Marcus Smart and Marcus Morris uh, pairing in the starting lineup might prove a little bit suboptimal. And that might be his opening to be like, OK, great, let's get him back in there. And again, if there's any other player or if there's any player in the league, it's a poster trial for like fitting in and not making waves. It's going to be Hayward to the yeah. detriment of his numbers. Like, I feel like He's going to try and, you know, just sort of not be very aggressive, just to sort of, hey, I want to be, you know, earn my keep here. And um, that also might be a little bit of a detriment because if he could figure out that balance between being part of a team and a five man, you know, a cog and a wheel and also standing out and doing what he does best, if he could figure that balance out, then that that's when they're going to be at their best and uh, that's going to be the huge conundrum for, for Stevens, but you're right. I bet you at some point it's the, the opportunity is going to open itself up when they do play poorly against you know two or three of the best teams with that starting lineup they have now.
0: So you talk about playing some better competition down the road. The next three games don't really present that. You've got the Hawks <laughs> on Friday night, the Pistons on Saturday, and then Phoenix comes to Boston on Wednesday. But then after that, on December twenty first, that's wait do, a minute,
2: That sounds like the Sixers' schedule for the first half of the season. <laughs> Don't even. <laughs> we'll, we'll get
0: to the Sixers. We'll get to the Sixers. Right. The Jazz so, are
1: upset, by the way, when you hear, they hear those those, those very, very, Yeah, of course very. they are. <laughs> uh,
0: so they've got the Bucks on the twenty first, which presents their first, you know, pretty legitimate team in a while, mm-hmm. and then they've got the uh, the Sixers on Christmas. In terms of the. Eastern Conference right now, of course, there's still a lot of development going on with some of these teams. Who do you see as the biggest threat in the Eastern Conference, and who's going to be towards the top as we go down the down the road here?
1: Well, it just so happens that I did a video yesterday on yeah, the Raptors it. beating the Warriors, and yeah. I dropped the gauntlet in that one, saying that they are the absolute favorites to make it to the finals. Yeah. The way they are playing now is better than anybody by far in the East. And yeah. that was without Kawhi Leonard on the second of a back-to-back on the road. Uh, that doesn't happen often, and they beat him soundly. So, um, and that was with the Warriors pretty much healthy. So you have to be extremely concerned about the, about the Raptors, and they could easily make a lot of people in Boston upset c- considering how excited they were to start the season.
2: Well, and considering the fact a lot of Celtics fans feel like Danny should have went harder after Kawhi. It's
1: was that really a, a thing? They really could have gotten him? I don't, I don't know, know if, if was,
0: it was it was a thing as I mean it's also a thing in a lot of Celtics fans minds that they can still go get Anthony Davis at the Even trade like, deadline. So they they, yeah. So <laughs> so I'm not sure if it was a real thing. What do you sticking with the Eastern Conference feel? What do you what are your thoughts on the Sixers right now? Of course they got Jimmy Butler which helped out help helped add to their depth, but their shooting depth still concerns me a little bit what do you what do you think about them going down the road
1: you know there's something missing I I can't quite figure out what it is because you know they've added some guys like Shamit is a good shooter and I hope he Mm -hmm. continues to get some minutes and and provide spacing uh they have Redick they have they have guys but you're right ultimately in the playoffs when you have a team that's ready to prepare uh for days and days uh when you have a guy like Simmons it's like we saw what happened in the playoffs last year um they can sag off of him enough. Uh, they can sag off of Embiid, even though he shoots threes a little bit, um, you know, that that you can really create problems with spacing with the kind of offense they want to run. And then that's the problem is you still got to be able to score in the playoffs. It's not going to be about, you know, defense completely. And if you can't generate enough good shots, uh, then you're going to get beat in a seven game series. So, you know, it, it kind of almost feels like, you know, will they ever be able to get where they want to go with Simmons playing the kind of role he does? It's an interesting connection and either that or he simply will improve like we've seen you know most good players over their careers do tend to improve their jump shot so that might be the solution i just want to step back so you think
2: no chance it is 100 at this point in the season toronto by far is ahead of the celtics and everybody else in the east so it's toronto and everybody else
1: i mean as of today yeah that's how i feel interesting
2: i mean it's it's interesting because I don't think it's – it's it's not crazy given their their roster, Toronto. I just think the Celtics, if they could get it – and I sound like a homer. But if they could get <laughs> it together, I mean, the talent is just
1: yeah. off the charts. I mean, th- that is true. But, you know, think about it this way. As of today, if like, I'm, I'm going by what we just saw, like, you know, I know they were at Washington – but it took them overtime you know and in a oh, crazy wow. thrilling game to do it you know it wasn't back to back now you know they did beat the pelicans the, the two days before that but you know so so we've got you know and and they're going to be a, a trivia question of you know when what team was playing the bulls when they completely imploded <laughs> so <laughs> Um, you know, so so that's the only question I have. It's right. When you look at the Bulls, the Knicks, the the, uh, the, the Cavs, those wins, uh, you know, I, I'm still waiting to see uh, whether or not they're going to do it, whereas Toronto, at least for the whole season, has really just been excellent.
0: Yeah, and Toronto's role players have impressed me immensely. Obviously, we knew they had some good depth going into the season, but guys like Siakam and Danny Green and Serge Ibaka, Fred Van Vliet, I mean, it seems like they have uber consistency from top to bottom on that roster. I mean... I don't really see any weaknesses per se. Of course, it's still relatively early. I mean, you know, we're not we're, we're not approaching the All Star break just yet, but they seem pretty scary. Do you think they have the best depth in the East as well?
1: Sure. I mean, they probably have the most improved player in Siakam, and they, they yeah. could have an MVP candidate in Kawhi if he gets enough games and they continue to win as much as they do. So, um, which I wonder if that's ever happened. I might have to tweet that out and find out if they've ever had a team that has the MIP and the MVP in the same and year. The MVP. Um, yeah. You know, you got Ananobi, who was a starter last year, who was struggling, but certainly has the experience to really perform for them in uh, in crunch time in, in the playoffs. So, yeah, they are deep. They're long. They, are, they have really great defense uh, and they can score. I mean, Lowry isn't even scoring that well, but that might actually be the key for them. Rather than rely on the guy to score 20 points a game and then get to the playoffs and be disappointed, uh, he's scoring about 14 and a half, but he's leading the leading in assists. Yeah. So suddenly, there it's different in the varied attack, and with Kawhi being their star, that I think um, that might be the solution for them. I, I, you know, there's no question that uh, the if if the Celtics are uh, Mickey, then the Toronto Raptors are Clubber Lang. Wow. I
0: like that. I like I that. Like that. There's no, no, no a
1: that's not wrong. I'm the sorry. Celtics are Rocky, and then Brad Stevens is Mickey going to watch all the fights that Club Lang is having. In that
2: <laughs> oh, that's there's your is. headline, Grenham. Yeah, that's <laughs> perfect. your headline. That,
1: I love that. I love the only that. thing
2: is, all the millennials won't get it. Who's Rocky? Is, Who's hey, Rocky? hey,
1: watch it. I'm a millennial right yeah, here. I get man, that.
2: You're, you're in the minority. Most guy in Creed. The Creed. 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 <laughs> oh, you know, man, so. yeah. Anybody wow. who hasn't
1: seen Rocky three, I mean, if you haven't, then you got to go out and rent it right now. You're an idiot. That's the best Rocky by far.
0: I, yeah, when sure. I was Rocky a kid, four is a joke. Everybody okay, loves Rocky four. Okay, when I was a kid, so I loved Rocky three. When I loved all the Rocky movies when I was younger, but I loved Rocky four with the Russian. No, come on, I loved every it. kid did. and well, I loved it, and my dad thought it was like such a shame. I think it was the most disappointed my father's ever been in me it's because a cheese, I like. I liked Rocky four better than I liked Rocky one, two, and three. Oh, I thought it was one, two, and real. three
2: were sick. And I think that this whole, not to really get us off track here, but of course that's what I do. This whole, uh, Creed thing now with Drago's kid, like this is ridiculous. So now they're going to ruin that because I liked Creed one. I thought it was great coach. Uh, you'd mentioned MIP MVP. Who's the only team that had MVP and defensive player of the year? Same player.
1: Oh, is that Cowans?
2: No, it's your boy, Michael Jordan, 88, man.
1: Oh, MVP, God.
2: defensive player of the year. Come on. You know Nick, what's I'm funny?
1: Because so... Michael missed out on all those MVPs just because of, like, fatigue or whatever, just like LeBron. Right. So it's right. like I, you know, I can't remember. But, wow, okay, That's, that yeah. was a great – I think it
2: was 88 or 89. Yeah. Play, M- defensive player of the year, MVP. And it could have been KG in 08. They were close. He was, I think he was in the running. He was defensive player of the year, but I think he was in the running for MVP, too.
1: Yeah, well, you know the millennials have forgotten about MJ too. I guess so have I.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nick, talk, talk to us. Talk to us. I mean, we could turn this into a Rocky podcast too. I'm I have all, no I'm, problem with. that. I'm it. all about that. Nick, talk to us a little bit about the B-ball breakdown podcast. You've been teaming up with Jared Weiss a
1: little bit lately. Our friend of Very the program.
0: Scary. Talk to us a little bit about the uh, podcast. How's it going over there?
1: It's going great. I mean, we do a, at least one a week where we dive into what's happening on the court and Jared has been great. He's He's been on the show often and I was looking for a guy to come on, just be a, my weekly guy and he was available yeah. and we've always had a great rapport. So it's great because he's got a lot of the insider information. And I have all sort of the X's and O's stuff. So it's a nice balance where you're going to get, combo. Um, you know, what I'm doing here versus just like, you know, the Stephen A who's talking about someone who had – did you see that? He that he's was talking incredible. about these two players in the NFL who hadn't even – Yeah, sued it didn't them. even exist. Yeah. Teddy Bruschi's was face blaming, was, was priceless. Yeah. 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 That pitcher, yeah uh, Is that the guy freaking, in the middle or the guy in the end?
2: Yeah, the guy Still in the middle.
1: Bringing okay. Bringing <laughs>
2: up race with the, 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 the coach. Yeah. I mean, just come on, Stephen A.
1: Right. So it's like, you know, you listen to a lot of these podcasts and a lot of these radio shows as well, and you can tell that that's how they're prepared. Someone is like giving them a little briefing, whatever, and I guarantee you, Stephen A. Smith either fired the producer or give him an earful after that. Oh, cause it's could you imagine? Um, Especially but, on uh, TV,
2: Coach. I mean, on radio, you tend to freelance a little more, but on TV, you're, you're, you know what's coming at you. That's Stephen A.'s fault.
1: Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. And so, you know, uh, so that's what we don't we don't do that on. I should like, for instance, for this, you know, I'm not going to talk about the Celtics if I haven't watched 100 or 200 clips of them. But, you know, before I go on, I I really want to have a sense of what's happening. And um, and so that's what we do with the show. So when we we're we're prepared (laughs) and we have a lot of great nice balance and Jared and I have a nice rapport. So it's been uh, it's been fantastic for the last, like, I don't know, a couple, two or three weeks so far. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to finishing the season with it.
2: That's another Gelso matchmaker, Weiss and Coach Nick. I love that. I should get matchmaker of the year. Cupid Nick
1: it's
0: perfect.
2: People don't realize Jared Weiss as obnoxious. I love the kid. I know him since he's friggin' 18 years old. But as obnoxious as he could be, his knowledge (laughs) base of the Celtics is very – I mean his NBA knowledge is off the charts. He's not just a Celtics guy. and People don't see that because his reporting at The Athletic, and with our company, Celtics blog in the past has always been Celtics based. So to hear him on your podcast talking general NBA is a hoop, man. It's a ball.
1: Yeah, and he's—I mean—and he really is great Funny. and knows a lot of stuff. And he won't—and he won't go on unless we know exactly what we're going to talk about that day, and he can yep. research and get into it. So that's another great reason to listen to it for sure. And you know, yeah, thank you for—we we got together in the, at the 2015 yeah, conference I, I,
2: finals. I both of you guys covered the Cavs series for me, didn't you?
1: yeah yeah so yeah we we did some on there some uh, on camera stuff it was really fun so uh yeah we got to do that again this year
0: for sure yep awesome so you can check them out at bball breakdown on twitter follow coach nick as well at bball breakdown on youtube and check out the bball breakdown pod with with jared weiss nick thanks for coming on really appreciate it
1: you got it as i said i'm in hey
2: coach thanks for coming in i'm in too
1: This is Jeff Goodman, host of the Good and Plenty podcast on the CLNS Media Network. We've got two podcasts. Every Tuesday, we've got the NBA edition. Anyway, I've known Boogie a long time, and I like him now. We didn't get along forever. Hold on, ago. man. Hold on. Since you're you bringing up Boogie, yeah, yeah. Jeff, have you told the story you you and Boogie's interaction a few times? That would make for golden podcast material right there. When, when, when he cornered me coming out of STK in, in Vegas. And- Every Thursday, we've got the College Hoops Edition where you'll find the top coaches, players, media people. You get insight that you will not find anywhere else. So subscribe to the Good and Plenty podcast wherever you get your podcasts or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.